What's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. I hope you're having a spectacular day. And I can guarantee you that if you're not, it will be by the end of this interview with uh, Jim Ramos. That was so cheesy, wasn't it? Anyway, I'm just running with it. Today, I am sitting down with Jim Ramos. Jim Ramos is the founder of Men in the Arena, a podcast that I interviewed on recently. Um, you know, it's not a huge space in like the Christian manhood, men's ministry realm. There's, there are actually tons of ministries and organizations and, you know, Deep Clean is proud to be part of those. But in sort of the upper echelon is a small handful of guys who really started podcasting, started private Facebook communities, started writing books and self-publishing them long before they were cool. You know, long before it was cool to do that and before everybody was doing it. And one of those guys is Jim Ramos. He started Men in the Arena in 2011 and he has gone on to do incredible things. He's got an Amazon number one bestseller called Strong Men, Dangerous Times. Men in the Arena podcast is one of the top ranked Christian men's podcasts in the world. And he speaks all around America on a regular basis with some really powerful messages. But there's only one Jim. Uh, as you start to meet him, you'll find out he's quite a character. He's quite quirky, an incredible storyteller, and just a really powerhouse of a leader and of a man. And I think you're going to really like this interview. We get into all kinds of stuff, but we really focus a lot of the conversation around a new book he has coming out called Guts and Manhood, which is about teaching men how to live courageous lives. And he's identified a few concepts, uh, I guess, repeating concepts in the Bible around the subject of courage. And we do a deep dive into that. So I know you're going to enjoy it. I'm so glad you're here. Without further ado, let's jump into it. Here's my interview with Jim Ramos, founder of Men in the Arena. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Perfect. Well, I'm here with Jim Ramos, the founder of Men in the Arena. I had the privilege of uh, just being on the podcast recently, and um, man, I love what you're doing. It's such an honor to have you here, Jim. It's an honor to be on your show, man. I'm humbled every time I get asked to be on somebody's podcast. Yeah, well, maybe as a starting point, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about how Men in the Arena started? Because I think that story is actually kind of fascinating, and then you got a book coming up that we're going to dive right into, but let's just set the table a bit. Tell us a bit about your story, and why, why the heck did you start Men in the Arena? Yeah, man, similar to you, I was a, an associate pastor for 20 plus years, and I recognized and realized that most of the problems I dealt with as a youth guy were dads that weren't around. Mm -hmm. And I reflected on the issues that I saw, uh, the passions that God had given me and the gifts and abilities. And sitting in a little coffee shop near Bend, Oregon, I was uh, <laughs> God called me uh, to work with men. And so that change of call meant a, a change of career, basically, I ended up resigning as the associate pastor over youth at my church and started this thing from scratch with 15 guys in a coffee shop between the wow. age of 29 and 75. That's yeah. amazing. So, yeah. okay. I, I mean, if you look at the stats on people who attend church and are part of church groups, it's, it's female dominated. Yeah. Um, like as if you're playing the numbers game, you don't really want to get called to lead men. When God spoke this to you, are you like leaping and jumping or are you like, God, please no? I was mourning and wailing, not leaping and jumping. <laughs> I had, it was really, really hard, very, very stressful 
because I felt like God said, Hey, Ramos, I want you to write to a group that doesn't read, you know, 30% yeah. of books bought are bought by at Barnes and Noble from women. I want you to, to minister to a group that the church ignores. I want you to uh, talk to a group that, you know, nobody likes to talk to. And I, and I was the dumb guy that said, yes, honestly, that's what happened. <laughs> and I honestly, it was such an impossible feat uh, in 2011 when God called me that I thought God was wanting me to fail to teach me a lesson on humility. So I went in full force. We're going to lose our house. We're going to lose it all. Uh, God, you've got something bigger for me, but I'm going to say yes, because I know for sure that you want me to do this. And after, you know, we're 10 year anniversaries coming up this June and our Instagram is growing by a hundred men a day right now. And, th and God on. has just really blessed it. And so we're just really excited and humbled. Uh, but we, yeah, we said yes uh, to an impossible circumstance, you know, but uh, Abraham Lincoln is a guy I really respected some of the things he did as president. Plus I'm related to him. And he once yeah, said, that's that, crazy. Uh, it's not funny. He said, <laughs> a man, the ugliest man ever to hold public office. So your <laughs> listeners can get a picture of my face from that. So uh, he once said, um, impossibilities vanish when a man and his God confront the mountain. And that's exactly Jeez. what we did. Wow. Yeah, it, it really is. It's, it's remarkable what you've done. The podcast as well. You didn't comment on that, but you guys are one of the top ranked podcasts in your category as well. And um, it's, it's amazing what God's done with your ministry. Uh, you, you mentioned something earlier, which I think really drives a lot of what you do. And that is this whole issue of men just not showing up, not being the people God made them to be. And I think especially in the home, fathers really falling short. And uh, you said in um, one of your other books, which we're not really going to get into today, although um, my listeners, you really should get it because it was an Amazon bestseller. But you said that 80% of problems in society could be remedied if the men would just get their act together and show up in the home. Okay, let's just start there. What, what did you mean by that statement? Unpack it a bit. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. A friend of mine now, uh, Wes Stafford, who's the president emeritus of Compassion International. So they are, they are ministering to two and a half million children every year. And this guy's a phenomenal human, and he came onto our podcast. I mean, this guy's eating dinner with uh, – he's ate d dinner with U.S. presidents. This guy's high, high level, and he said, I will come on your show, Jim, because I realize working with children that if you can fix the men, you will solve 80 to 90% of the world's problems. And, and, and that's the key, uh, Satya, is that you know people are very quick to blame men, toxic masculinity, all of these things. And I agree. Men are the problem, but if you, if you, the problem becomes a solution when you fix it, which is why organizations like yours, Deep Clean, are so important. When we fix the men, we fix the problem. So we yeah. can't ignore or blame. We have to help the men become wow. their best version. Yeah, that's pretty powerful because I, I think it's easy for the guy who, uh, who runs men in the arena to say, look, men need to get, get it together and society's better. But when the guy whose focus is actually in a completely different demographic is saying, no, 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 actually, if you tackle men, you know, you fix the ripples. Why, why is that? Why, why is it so important, Jim, for, for men to really step up? And why do we have such an impact on family and society? Well, man, you know the answer to this, but the simple answer is this, that God has wired men to be the major influencer in his family at that basic unit, family, church, community, on and on and on. And when you get that man, when you can reach that man, that man will reach his whole family. And it's mm. not like that with anybody else in the family. It's not like that with the children. 
It's not like that with a wife. To her chagrin, she really wants to reach the family, but us guys are so stubborn. But when a guy gets it, when a man gets it, everyone wins. We see that over and over in Scripture. Cornelius was baptized, and his whole household. The prisoner was prison guard was baptized, and his whole household, and his whole household, and his whole household. Over mm. and over and over again, we see this: that when men get it, everyone around them get gets it. And conversely, when a man fails to get it, he leaves a wake of destruction behind him. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And we're we're seeing that in our society, aren't we? Yep. And you you deal with that every day of guys who've created a a wake of destruction and you're trying to uh, get them clean and healthy and vibrant and dynamic so that their families can start winning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what, really what it's all about. So, okay, so you have this this book coming out called Guts and Manhood. Yeah. Um, what What is this whole thing all about? What do, you, what do you mean by guts and manhood? Well, I just love the title, first of all. But <laughs> I, I wanted a title that guys would be like, hey, man, I resonate with this. You know, we use yeah. that phrase, do you have guts? Do you have what it takes? And and I think guys want to know that they've got the guts to get it done. And and uh, this started way back in like 2001. I am a journaling guy. I'm a big fan of journaling. In fact, behind me, Come I have 30, 37 journals that I've filled up since wow. 19, uh, 1989. And I, oh I, I, this morning I journaled as well. And I'm going through the pastoral epistles verse by verse. Well, I was sensing God getting ready to move me in 2001. So I went through every time the word courage was mentioned in the New American Standard, which is my personal Bible study. And I journaled all of that. There was like in the, I think at the time there were 29, but then if you take other translations, you can find 47 different times courage is mentioned in various English Standard Version, New American Standard, NIV, New King James, you know, 47 to 49. And so I, I, I journaled those 29 in 2000 and, you know, what was that one moved to Oregon shortly after. So God used that study to, to give me courage. And then in 2011, when I was sensing God doing something new, I went back and redid it with another translation, found a bunch more words. So I, and journaled those words and I took those journal entries and I put them into a book. Once I realized what I found in the Mm. book and how (laughs) nobody else was talking about it. And I know men resonate with courage. I think that men, women, when they're five, they dream about the day they're going to get married. They just, they they dream about being this princess. Somebody's going to rescue from the time a boy is five years old, four years old. He's dreaming about how he's going to be a hero. He plays Mm. with sticks, makes some guns. He sword fights. He plays army. Men want to be heroes. They want to have a hill to die on, but they know they will always have to depend on courage to do it. And I just think this book resonates with the soul of men. And since it was so guttural in my journal, in my journey of journaling, I think it's deeply, deeply impactful for other guys. Oh man, that is so good. And you just made my day by giving an endorsement for journaling. We're big journalers oh, here. Oh, love journaling. I'm a, I think journaling is the best way a guy can grow spiritually after, you know, after Bible study, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Really good. Okay. So you know, we were just talking about how men are not necessarily, I would say, stepping up and really answering the call. And in many ways, you could kind of attribute that to a lack of courage. You know, men, I think, are getting uh, permission to not fulfill the responsibilities at home, to not confront the pain in their lives, uh, to not lead, to not, you know, to avoid conflict. Um, I think somehow we've just, we've permitted a lot of passivity, a lot of apathy, things that I know you talk about in some of your other books. And uh, all of it works against this call to be courageous. 
What yeah. did you discover as you started to kind of dive into the subject of courage, uh, you know, scripturally? And, and I imagine in your journaling times as well, you would have had some revelations. What, what did you unpack? Yeah, I had a couple key revelations I thought were important. I was really surprised when I, in all my study of the Bible and, and, and my understanding of men, and especially being a man, I realized that no, you know, courage is not a fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5.23 uh, it's not one of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. It's not a part of one of the 613 laws in the Mosaic Law, and it's not and it's not a spiritual gift. So why this thing that men <laughs> resonate with is not a spiritual gift. It's not a commandment. It's not in the Mosaic Law, and it's not a fruit of the Spirit. So what is this thing, and what does the Bible tell us about it so that we as men who deeply desire to live courageous lives— can become men of courage. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's actually really really interesting. So, what what did you find out? Like, um, what what is what does it look like to be courageous from a biblical perspective for a man? Well, I was really interested to find that numerous numerous times in the Bible. I mean, numerous times. Joseph of Arimathea gathered up the courage. Other times, you see God saying, "Take courage. Be courageous." Hold on to courage. I noticed something about courage. I thought, this is really interesting. The first thing I noticed is, you know, or, or Joshua with, with God telling Joshua, be strong, be strong and courageous. And courageous right. I noticed that the first aspect of courage, there are four irrefutable attributes of courage in the Bible. Four things that if you take all of the times courage is mentioned and you categorize them, you'll come up with exactly four. And the mm -hmm. first one is courage is associated with a call to action. Love your wife, father your children, you serve mm. in your community. There's a call to action that men have to hear it. And to respond to that takes a decision. And that decision, which I'll talk about next, has to do with courage. So, so in the Bible, when God is calling men to courage, it is a literal call of action. So it's not a spiritual gift. It's not of the fruit of the spirit. It's not right. in the Mosaic law and it's not a 10 command, one of the 10 commandments, but it is always in scripture. It is a commandment that God gives as a call to hmm. action for men. Yeah. See, and that's really powerful because actually when you think about it, to walk in the fruits of the spirit, to live by the 10 commandments, all of it actually requires courage. It requires action. It really right? does. It yeah, really like does. This is not just some uh, motivational thing of like getting yourself psyched up so you can like beat your chest and you know feel good about yourself. This is like you actually have to take action, otherwise courage is non-existent. Actually, when I, that was the thing that really bothered me about this book, because I'm a football guy, I've got my football helmets behind me. I'm a go raw raw guy, go charge hell with a squirt gun. But what I realized <laughs> is there's a very unemotional, objective side of courage. God. Mm -hmm is not going to force you into or guilt you or shame you into something. God calls men. He calls you. He calls you unemotionally. He calls you. And that's the mm. first thing he does. It's an objective thing that God does for all men. It's a mantle that God has given. It's actually a deep desire. You know, John Eldridge in his book, Wild at Heart, says the three core passions of a man are an adventure to live, a battle to fight, and a beauty to rescue. All of those are calls to action. Yeah, yeah. Okay, really good. And I, I suppose, um, like a, a lot of the quotes you see around courage talk about how cur courage doesn't mean that you that you feel like doing it. Like you're saying, it's actually unemotional. It's really in the presence of that fear, in the presence of that resistance, making the choice to do it anyway. 
Um, what, what would you say to the guy maybe who's like, okay, Jim, I know that maybe I'm supposed to be courageous. It means I have to take some action, but I, I don't have the guts to do it. What, what would you say to somebody like that? Oh, uh, well, first of all, no man can ever say, I don't have the guts to do it. That doesn't exist. Hmm. So, so guts, you, there's a call to action. And then the next step, we see this every day in the news when there's a, when there's a tragedy, the people who come to the rescue when there are snow drifts in Toronto and people can't shovel their driveway or when the floods of Florida or, you know, whatever are the men, the men do the men rally. The men love to have this call to action. But the second thing, the thing I would tell that guy who says, I'm just a gutless wonder, I would say, no, you're not. You choose to be because the second aspect in the Bible, the second irrefutable attribute of courage after the call to action is a personal choice. So God calls his men and then his men have to choose. I have to choose whether or not I'm going to drop my drawers in front of the computer and watch porn. I have to choose whether I'm going to love that woman for the rest of my life. I have to choose to father my children. I have to choose to work hard at my job. These are all courageous choices. They're personal choices. And so, hmm. so a, guy can, a guy can be the wimpiest guy that walks in the room, but if that guy consistently chooses to do what God tells him, he's the most courageous man I, I've ever met. In fact, the most courageous men I've ever met are Christian men, and a lot of those guys are, are, would not walk in a room and command presence. They're just average guys with tremendous ability to say yes when God calls them to action. Wow, that's really good. I'm yeah. a I'm I'm a cold shower kind of guy, and I feel like when I take cold showers, I'm I'm exercising my courage muscles a little bit because everything in me doesn't want to do it. And I have to remind myself, like you just take the action, right? You just take the plunge. You kind of bite the bullet. But I I guess the other thing that I'm kind of hearing you say, Jim, is that when you don't do the courageous thing, you're also making a choice. Yes, I hear you right. Yeah, you're all. We are always making a choice. So. Mm. Courage is first a call to action. Second, it's a personal choice. So if I choose to be courageous, right? If I choose to do the right thing, I'm choosing the path of manhood. I'm choosing the path of masculinity. I'm choosing the path of courage. If I decide to do the opposite of that and choose to not do the right thing, I'm choosing the role of cowardice. I'm choosing the path of toxic masculinity, which really is an oxymoron. It's toxic malehood because masculinity by definition is never toxic yes. so so we're always making these choices right and so we see these guys that come to you at deep clean and they go hey Sathya, i'm a train wreck because i have made a horrible choice systematically consistently to where it's become this horrible habit in my life and yeah. i need to make choices to pull me out which is what i love about your principal stack yeah yeah your principal stack that's a choice Choice, 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 choice. Yes, yes. So that's yeah, okay. what I, that, yeah. So I think the personal choice is probably the most profound of the four irrefutable attributes. I agree. Yeah, it's really, really powerful. Um, you're a storyteller, so I'm going to tee you up. Can, can you give us a, give us an example of, of maybe what that's looked like in, you know, building men in the arena, the community, or personal life or anything? Okay. Well, I can brag about men in the arena, but let me, let me tell you about personal life. So my wife is a flight attendant and that is a very tough job. These, these flight attendants are up early, early, early. They live without sleep. When my wife first got hired, it was her dream. She'd followed me for 20 years in ministry 
Now she's pursuing this dream. She was based in Seattle, Washington, which is a five hour drive from where I live. Okay. And she called me before her flight home to Seattle. She was staying at a crash pad. So she was renting a place that she would stay because she was on call up there five hours from my house. She called me one night. She said, I'm getting on the plane. I'm an emotional disaster. I'm having a meltdown. I need your help. I just, wow. I need help. And so I decided that I would get on a car, drive an hour to Portland Air- airport, Portland International Airport, fly to Seattle, meet her in the airport and drive her home five hours home. Now she didn't get into the, she didn't get into Seattle till 1230 AM. And I drove her home that entire night. Wow. That, that does not sound like a courageous act, but to me, to me that I would put that under a courageous choice to say, listen, I'm going to love my wife who's broken right now. And I'm going to sacrifice who I am to do it. Right. And so it may not look like courage, but to me, it's a call to action that I responded with the right choice. I could have told her, hey, honey, I'll pray for you. I love you, honey, so much. You fly home and, and, and get to your crash pad and you'll be okay tomorrow morning. I could have encouraged her, but I decided to take the next level up, mm. right? And act in, 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 and that was a courageous act. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I, I know one of your categories for courage kind of revolves around strength. Yes. And I, I think you're, you're kind of debunking that myth that being courageous is about the visible, mighty acts where you get the round of applause from the masses here. This is really much more about the inner life and, and kind of what happens privately first before anything happens public. Uh, oh, absolutely. And the, funny, the fun part is about all this is there's a call, always a call to action. Then there is a personal choice that we make. But it's really interesting. If you look at the book of Joshua and you look at the first chapter over and over again, you've got God speaking to Joshua, who was Moses' arm bearer. He was the guy that carried around his weapons. Then he was his assistant. You know, right. then he was his general. Now he's going to lead the, the Israelites into the promised land. Over and over again, you see God saying to, to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And it hit me. You see this over and over. It's like 19 times you see this this phrase. I may be wrong with that number. But what you realize is this, that men who are courageous, I, you know, I just, I just watched a, a you know, what's that show, uh, Hacksaw Ridge, oh, where yeah. you've got uh, Desmond, Desmond, um, De- what was his last name? Des- Desmond Doss. He's a little guy. He's five foot seven. He's about 125 pounds. He's a conscientious objector. He refuses to fight because of his Christian views. Saved mm. 77 men in a 48-hour period. He's a little teeny guy, right? <laughs> but his courage is a sign of strength. So his strength was manifested because of his courageous choices and actions, regardless of how many push-ups he could do or how many pull-ups <laughs> or how, how much muscle he had. Strength has nothing to do with your outer appearance. Nothing. Hmm. I mean, it, I mean, I guess it does if you want to, you know, swing an axe or bench press or do something. But, but in the long yeah. term, you know, your wife, your kids, your community could care less about your physical strength. It's yeah. about what's going on in your heart. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about? Uh, I'm just thinking of how this ties into what we were discussing earlier. What does it look like when a father demonstrates real courage to his kids? What What does that impart, and what kind of example does that set? Well, you, you know, in your ministry with Deep Clean that you've got this, this a generational curse going on, right? You have God oh, yeah. who says, I will bless, you know, I will bless to the thousands. I will curse to the third and fourth type of thing. And what, what I have seen is 
you've got these family curses going down. They're looking at the patriarch. And if the patriarch is a, a porn addict, if the patriarch is completely disengaged from his family or estranged or anonymous, he produces kids like that because mm. that's what they see. But when you get a dad who gets up every morning and goes to work and comes home and, and engages with the kids and coaches their sports and loves their mother, the kids see that. And he is, by example, producing a whole different heritage than he might have grown up with mm. because his kids are wanting to follow his example. His daughters mm. are saying how he loved their, her mother and she's going to marry a guy who's going to love her that way and not some mm. train wreck. And so this is passed on. So courage is is contagious. You know, Billy yeah. Graham, Billy Graham once said a man of courage causes other men. Uh, no, a man. Oh, what did he say? Oh, man. A man with courage causes other backs to stiffen. Oh, yes. So I heard that quote. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so guys are, you know, courage is contagious and especially in the household. Wow. Now, yeah. what, what does this look like for you personally? Sorry, I, I didn't mean to deep dive in your personal life today, but I guess no, here we go. Okay. But yeah. I know I know your parents divorced. Um, I know that your stepfather uh, eventually died quite tragically. You, it sounds like maybe it was modeled for you, but you as well had some broken elements to that. And I, I know that some guys are maybe going to hear this and say, well, I I didn't have that example, you know, and I, 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 I understand there's courageous men out there. But how do you how do you right those wrongs? How do you be the guy who who changes your family's lineage? That's a great question. So my parents got divorced on my 13th birthday. I, I have a great dad. We're very close to this day, but there was a lot of infidelity around that divorce. Wow. Um, you know, my stepdad committed suicide in 2012. Uh, I really didn't have. Yeah. So, yeah. So I would have excuses to kind of go my own path, but yeah. through Jesus Christ, when I, when I gave my life to Jesus and I got around godly men and I was able to watch how they loved and lived and understood what it meant to follow Jesus, because I can never be my best version without radical devotion to Jesus Christ. So once I, which is in my book, strong men, dangerous times, when I realized I needed to radically give my life to Jesus to really walk in my best version, which I'm a sinner, man, and I'm a broken guy, and I'm always messing up. Trust me, I am. I am <laughs> always. I'm always messing up. But once I realized that, it was my compass, right? It gave me a moral absolute that I could depend on, because the Bible tells us that God will never disappoint us, and and His mm. truth never His truth stands forever. So for me, that's what I did. I just keep going back to to Jesus, to the Bible. And to watching other guys who are a little bit older than me and following their example. And, and, you know, I just vowed I would never have the marriage my dad had. I would, I would never do, you know, you know, my dad did some great things, sure. but there are some things that, that I didn't want to emulate. And so I want to break that chain so my kids can have the best of all of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Really powerful. And it, it kind of goes back to, um, to what we were saying earlier, which is that you do have to make that choice. Don't you? Like it's easy to feel sorry for yourself. Um, and, and I think easy to give into that narrative, like, oh, you know, the men in our family, this is just the way we are. This is what we do. Um, but you can be courageous, right? You can make that choice. You yeah. can rise to the call to action and actually embody that strength. Um, there's a fourth category here. So it sounds like when you kind of get these three ducks in a row, it in invariably leads to this fourth category. Lay it on us, man. What, what does this all end with? Well, you know, it's really interesting, Cynthia, because when I was reading the Bible, this is a subtle category. I started going, man, I've got these, uh, these, this, this, these verses that are rogue verses that don't seem to fit with the other verses. Hmm. And I realized over and over again, look at King David, for example. He was known as a man of courage. 
Hmm. You know, I realize there are certain guys in the Bible and certain guys in life where you point to them and you say, that guy is a gutsy mofo. I mean, that guy, <laughs> that guy is a yeah. man of courage. It's and true. I started, I realized, well, what, what, at what point do I transition from a gutless wonder or a gutless coward to a man of courage, a man of valor? At what point do I do that? And I realized that the fourth characteristic or the fourth attribute of care of courage is over time. If a man answers the call to action, makes the personal choice, he walks in the strength that courage offers over time. This is not, this is, I mean, I hate to say this, buddy, but it's hard to hard to do this the younger you are, because this is a time thing. <laughs> yeah. Over time, if a man does this, people will look at that guy and go, Hey, son, that guy, that guy's a man of courage. You can follow that guy. So it's a, it becomes, and here's the fourth characteristic. It is a character trait over time. Mm. Over time, it is a character trait. As people watch your life unfold and as you, as you live out your faith and you rebound from your brokenness, right? I mean, mm. you've got guys you work with that come to you. They're very broken. Yeah. And, and, and those guys, you know, 30-year-olds, guys, 35, whatever, 28, those guys might be a train wreck right now, but in 20 years, they could be seen as a, courageous champion who championed their marriage and championed their family and God redeemed because that's what God loves to do. He turns our mess into our message. And so yeah. even though we're sloppy and messy and sinful and broken, God wants to turn that all around so that we become known as a man of great courage. It becomes yeah. a character trait of who we are. That's really, really powerful. And I, I guess I, it's kind of like there's a transition that happens where courage is no longer something you do. It's not that you do courageous thing. It's that you are courageous. Yeah. Well, you know, Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Jesus Christ now lives in me. The life I live for the flesh, I live for the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me, right? Mm. Because Paul died and because Paul lived for Christ, he constantly answered the call, constantly made the choice. He constantly walked in the strength that these courageous choices offered, and he became a man who, who was beheaded for his faith. He was, yeah. he was a man who was known as a man of courage. Look at Peter, for example. Peter denied Jesus, denied Jesus the night before he was crucified. In front of a servant girl, he denied Jesus. <laughs> that, he ran in the garden. He ran. Hmm. So in, in 24 hours, this guy was a, went from this big, strong fisherman to a gutless coward. <laughs> fast, you know, fast forward to the end of his life when he's going to be crucified. He says, can I be crucified upside down? Because I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. That is a guy who transitioned from a gutless coward to a man of tremendous uh, strength. He was known as a man of care, uh, courage. Yeah. And so th th we, we all look at, look at Gideon. He's hiding in the wine press in Judges chapter six, threshing wheat. He's hiding in a three under a three foot wall behind a three foot wall, threshing wheat. He's a gutless coward. He said, he even said to the angel, I'm a, I'm the weakest of the weak. <laughs> I'm the puniest of the puny. And God yeah. sees the mighty warrior, the man of valor in him and transforms him to where he's actually seen by the people around him, not as a wussy guy threshing wheat behind the wine press, but as a mighty man of valor and a judge of Israel. Yeah, come on, come on. Uh, I, know, I know you don't want to brag on men in the arena too much, but I'm giving you permission, man. I want you to just tell <laughs> a little bit, a little bit about, um, 
I guess I'm, I'm kind of just imagining, I'm thinking about what you guys have been able to do over the years and what you've grown it to. And I know it requires, uh, I would say courageous leadership probably to reach this point. And uh, my personal conviction is that if you are a man, you are born to lead, period. It's yes. look different for every single person, um, but all men are leaders. And I'm just wondering, um, what does it look like for you? You know, you're 10 years into Men in the Arena. You started this study 20 years ago um, on the word cor uh, courage. And I, what does it look like for you now as you as you lead your your or your organization here day to day, uh, growing men in the arena and, and trying to embody that as opposed to maybe just focusing on doing courageous things? What does it look like? Yeah, you know, it's really funny. I mean, we just we just want to say yes uh, to whatever God is saying. And, you know, I just tell people one of the things I just say is you don't have to be the best. You just have to outlast the rest. And another <laughs> thing I like to say is this. Hey, man, I don't know. Whoever said beat the dead horse didn't believe in the resurrection. I mean, we're going to beat that dead horse until that dead horse gets up. I mean, we are going to beat that dead horse until it works. So for us, you know, it's been fun to go from 15 guys in a coffee shop, you know, huddled in a little, you know, a little room there having coffee and doing a Bible say to last year having, you know, 100 men from 126 nations download the podcast. We had more downloads last year than our entire first year. Oh, we had more downloads last month than our entire first year combined. And just, wow. just, but, but it's not because we're good. I mean, I got my right hand man, Dale Culver, you know, him and I, and uh, we've got another team of three other great employees. Uh, we're just, uh, you know what? We're just going to keep going and going and going until, until we can't resurrect it. And we're just going to trust God. And so what do we have for the future? I know I'm going to, I want to get all these books on audible. Because right now Good. we've got written books and we got a lot of guys that don't have time to read. So we want to get our books on Audible. We want to get thousands and thousands of men around the around the world, actually, in our virtual teams. Uh, we're going to release a book in January called Guts and Manhood, which is what we're talking about right now. But mm -hmm. next September, we're going to release a book called The Full Capacity Man that I, I think could reach a million men. And so we're just going to keep writing, keep speaking, keep serving, and uh, hopefully keep walking in holiness so that God, uh, you know, God and purity that God uses us and we're just uh, trust him in the journey, man. So um, yeah. it's just saying yes to God, guys. Just say yes. It's really beautiful. And uh, I, I've had some interactions with Dale, your right hand man, and he's fantastic. You have a really, a really, really solid team there. And I know it's a huge part of doing what you guys do. Um, one of the things I, I'm thinking about, which is probably a little bit, it probably sounds a bit funny, but I do always think about my grandkids and my great grandkids. And I'm always asking myself, what can I do now to change their lives for the better? Um, what, what do you, what do you do at, at this stage of your life? You know, Jim, and, not, and I'm not, not necessarily just asking personally, but I'm thinking about, um, you know, the, the thousands of men you guys are impacting daily here now, where you're literally changing family legacies, uh, you know, multi-generationally. Um, what, what's the, what's the thing that you're focused on right now? What's the message you're trying to get across and, and, and help these guys to, you know, lead their kids so that the next generation can actually get stronger and more courageous. Well, I'll say one thing that you will hate me saying, and it's this, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because guys, listen, journal, because the journal is something you will leave behind after you're dead. Wow. When you die, your journals are going to be there. All those journals back there. My first book, the, the bathroom book for men was, all, was out of the journals. I believe in journaling because it's the thing that you can leave behind that your kids after you die can read your heart. They hmm. can't always see your heart when you're disciplining them and doing that thing. But they can hear your heart and your words. Yeah. So that's so important. The second thing I would say to guys who are raising their kids is this. Whatever you put to the grindstone will be remembered on your tombstone. 
So guys, listen, you want to live your life for the people that will cry at your funeral. That is your wife. That is your kids. That is your grandkids. So when you get home from work every day, your six to nine window, that is the window that you're going to be remembered. You're not going to be remembered from six in the morning till five at night. The yeah. window from six to nine is when you're going to be remembered. So guys, and that's a 25 year window. It's a 25 year window. So that window will define your legacy. So don't screw it up. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's the call to action. Make the personal choice, you know, manifest your strength through those courageous acts. And then let, let you, let that be a characteristic of you. When you die, let people say, my dad was a man of courage. Let them define yeah. you as that. Yeah. Yeah. And in strong men, dangerous times, you actually walk people through that exercise. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really, really humbling. I think the first time I had done it was in Stephen Covey's book. Um, he does something similar in his chapter about, uh, beginning with the end in mind. Oh um, yeah, yeah. But it's an, it's an excellent, excellent, uh, exercise and, uh, you know, guys should really get both of those books. Um, as we wrap up here, Jim, I'm, I'm just curious for you, what are, uh, what's your, what's your general feel on, uh, on manhood? You know, you kind of mentioned toxic masculinity. I think, um, people are really trying to tame men and there's elements of it that are understandable. Obviously we need to do away with the fatherlessness, the abuse, the violence, all, all the crime, all that kind of stuff. Totally get it. But I think the pendulum can swing a little bit too far and we're actually trying to take, take away the very essence of a man, you know, and trying to tame him a little bit too much. What, I don't know, are you hopeful about, about the direction we're going in? Do you, what, what, do, you, what do you make of uh, the, the days and, and the years ahead for men in general? Well, we live in the softest time in the history of the world. We have heated steering wheels. I was at a guy's <laughs> house one day. He's got a digital toilet. The floors in his bathroom are heated. And so, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, younger men are tempted to be soft more than ever before. And so... Those guys coming up need to just, they need to do things to challenge themselves physically, spiritually, mentally, and socially. I love your cold shower. You put that cold shower on the vagus nerve, it'll make your butt pucker. I mean, that, that is cold. That's it. And yeah. so, but that is, but that's what I'm talking about doing things that, that make us hurt a little bit. I'm doing 65,000 push ups this year. I've got 380 guys around the world help doing it with me. And I'm only doing wow. that because. The push-ups are easy for me, but the consistency is a nightmare. And hmm. so I'm trying to challenge myself to be better. And so in this world, everything is soft and easy and comfortable. We have to really challenge ourselves to do things that are uncomfortable because comfort is not a biblical principle. Yeah, right. It, it wasn't with the Jewish people. It wasn't when Jesus was there. It is not a <laughs> biblical principle. And we just need to realize that comfort is the enemy. And we need yeah. to do things that make us uncomfortable. Oh man, yeah. What what a message for a time like this. Yeah, Jim. Uh, this is this has been so good, man. I know people are going to want to connect with you. They're going to want to get the books. Uh, what what are some of the best ways for guys to plug into the Men in the Arena community? Yeah, man. Our Men in the Arena podcast is one way. Uh, you can follow me at Jim W Ramos, but I would highly recommend following the Men in the Arena on Instagram. And we have a Facebook uh, platform with almost twelve thousand guys from around the world. Uh, that guys can join that group and have daily encouragement. And you're in that group. I'm in that group. I love that group. Yeah. And it's, it's a great group. So uh, we're really easy to connect with. They can go buy a book and read it. And we're actually easy to get a hold of. Uh, whenever somebody responds on social media, we are about 100% responding back to them. We really want to engage with our people. So we are here to engage with you guys. Amazing. Amazing. Jim, thank, thanks for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, God bless you. I love what you're doing, man. Keep it up. Okay, well, that was my interview with Jim Ramos. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. And uh, I know for me, 
I really, really admire and respect Jim. I think we need more people like him. And I, I like the intensity. Intensity. I'm sure you can kind of detect there's sort of this rugged rawness to him and to the way he presents himself. And I think we need more people like that. You know, personally, I'm like very strong on the soft skills. I'm a little bit more of a well-rounded personality, I guess you could put it that way. Uh, but Jim is is bold. He can be a little bit brash at times. And I love that. I think I think we need more people like that who are trumpeting this message and giving men who feel like, you know, that's the way they want to express themselves the permission to do so. So anyway, that's a bit of a tangent, but I hope you really got some value from this interview. And, uh, you know, if you are interested in joining uh, a community of men who are really pursuing freedom, I'm going to give you two options. One is the Men in the Arena Facebook group. I'm actually, I'm part of that group. I try to contribute every once in a while. But we have also created a private community of men pursuing freedom from pornography specifically. It's called Deep Clean Inner Circle. And I want to personally invite you to join that group. All you have to go is uh, if you go to Facebook, type in Deep Clean Inner Circle. It'll show up. Uh, and then we can plug you in. We do live trainings there every single week on all subjects that are related to freedom, manhood, sexuality, all that good stuff. And I know you'll get a lot of value from it. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, it's Thea again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.